junkies. Apologies for any noise in the background. It's Nadia Hoover, the rest of the house, because we've got guests coming and we've come into the side chamber, the antechamber of cinematic fun and, with and filmic analysis exactly. with, with every film prop in the world. Exactly. Um, we're reviewing uh, The Last Night in Soho, or Last Night in Soho, sorry, uh, directed by Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright being the man who's directed all sorts of things like Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, Scott Pilgrim versus uh, the world and, and such like. Because I mean, I've seen seen all the Hot Fuzz things, but I've seen them at a distance. Yes. He, I know, time. I know, he started working. Baby on Driver. Baby Driver, that's right. I know he started working on Ant Man, and due to creative Baby differences, Driver. I think yeah, he, yeah. he left. Um, this stars Thomasine McKenzie, who you'll know best perhaps from Jojo Rabbit. Uh, what else was she? Old. In? Old. She was very briefly, but most characters were only in it for the moment. Anya Taylor Joy, The Queen's Gambit, Thoroughbreds, one of my favourite films of whatever Strange year. Strange Face, out. but beautiful. Beautiful face, captivating to watch. Matt Smith, Doctor Who. Strange Face also. Yeah. Diana Rigg in one of her last Whoa. cinematic uh, appearances, sadly. And uh, a cameo or small part by Terence Stamp. I don't know why, you feel like it ought to be, with a title like that, I feel it ought to be based on a book. Yeah. But it's not. No. It's a horror film, basically. And it's an 18 as well. You don't often get an 18 no, certificate no. film. So, yeah, so it's about a young girl, Thomasie McKenzie. She moves to London. I think it's an interesting film about the perils, fears and, and wonder of moving to the big city. Absolutely. And I think most young people who don't live in London would relate to that, do you? They would. And certainly I related to it in an actual way. Yeah. I mean, in terms I of the, would, this, yeah. there's some sort of, I don't know how, how they do these looking back scenes like there's a scene where it's in the trailer where she walks across the road and they've got the trailer for Thunderball yeah, the poster, the poster. Yeah. and I can remember doing exactly right. that and yeah. that took me back also she has a dance set record player which I had yes not not the record so this is a so young much. girl who's yeah. in the modern day living now and she's kind of obsessed with the 60s yeah she's going to the uh, St Martin's School of Art is it yeah. the fashion college yes. or the school of fashion Somewhere. Uh, in central London, we know where all that is, and and you know even that where she's gone to college is set in Soho essentially, and this is a film about Soho. There are many, all those actors in there. There's all those characters, but there's one other much stronger character in this, and that's the pulsing heart of Soho, both then and now, yeah. which is a part of London I know so intimately, having worked there for a good ten to twelve years. Um, I, I was kind of most excited about seeing how he portrayed Soho and what, what yeah. we get from that. She moves into a sort of bedsit after a bad experience at college. Diana Rigg is the uh, landlady uh, and she proceeds to kind of essentially enter dreams or start dreaming when she goes to sleep and seeing visions of this Anya Taylor-Joy woman yeah. who seems to be a woman like she almost wants to be or maybe wanted to be. Yeah. And we follow Thomasie McKenzie observing Anya Taylor-Joy's own ambition within this dream world yeah. of being a singer and her eventual descent into a horrific setup yeah. in relationship to men. Yes, and also almost into madness, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. How did you feel as it started? I, I'm going to be really honest. Mm. I was gobsmacked, gobsmacked by how bad the modern day scenes were. In the in opening scene with her and her mum at the beginning, yeah. the actress that the you actress said you, yeah. um, her getting to college and the interaction between her and her college friends. Her alienation and wandering around in a duvet and her move out to the... I think as soon as she moved to the house with Diana Rigg, it got better. I thought all of the setup, all of the stuff with her potential love interest, the other student on the course, I thought was not only risible and all... I thought it was ghastly. Mm. Some of the worst filmmaking and performing I've ever seen on the big screen. Wow. I thought it was so bad. Wow. And that's where I got really confused by this film because then... 
you have these moments in this in dream. Silence. In this dream. Well, yeah. Well, what do you? Okay, before. No, I no, no. I mean, it's just. Do you mean? Are you sure you mean directing and acting? Because I thought most of it was down to the acting that was Both. so bad. Both. As a director, you shouldn't allow that to get through. No. Maybe, I suppose and not. The other weird thing that happened across the film, I think Thomasine McKenzie is an incredibly capable actress. She became squeakier and squeakier as the film went, and I couldn't take. I found I really struggled to take her seriously. Yeah. She's, as you rightly said, she's doing all the heavy lifting. She is film. doing all the heavy lifting. One of the reviews said, I think from a from a critic that I don't usually agree with, said, "Well, she sits up very smartly in bed very well." Yeah. And afterwards, I thought that's right. That's what she oh, does so, yeah, time and time again. Up. And I yeah. also okay. So, what did you think of all of that stuff? Well. I agree with the risibility of it. I mean, right from they used Rita Tushingham, I'm sure, because she she's most famous for a Taste of Honey, which was Sheila Delaney sure. back in the fifties. Or was awful. I mean, why? I don't know. I mean, really? her acting was dreadful. It was almost like but you couldn't casting, watch that bit. No, I felt. But was it the casting decision like the casting decision for Terence Stamp? Do you think to give us some more of a connection with that? Era? Yeah, and Terence Stamp obviously Blow Up was from the same period. I felt if anything, he had too many ideas. Yeah, and what maybe. he was thinking was. I'm going to introduce all these characters that actually were around in the 50s and 60s. We're going to have London, and we're also going to have you know, Rita Tushingham walk around those streets, Terence Stamp walk around those streets. Diana Rigg from the Saint. Diana right? Rigg, yeah, exactly, yeah. all of those. But then it went horribly wrong, almost with the first words that Rita Tushingham issued. And I don't want to pin it all no, on her, but no. she was she's key, and she was dreadful. Mm. And then also key is uh, Thomasine's boyfriend, and he's dreadful. And almost to the point where... I mean, I saw it with this with Mark. We saw this together, and I wanted to look at you and say, "Really? Yeah. Really?" Well, I did keep looking at you to say, "Really," but you wouldn't look at me. No, no, I didn't know what to think. No. I mean, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed, and I thought, "Is this because there's no script?" Mm. I mean, what could the director have done differently? There was all of that that made me think. Yes, from the beginning until she gets, she's bullied by girls at the art school. I didn't think that was badly done. I just thought no, it was in a different film. Bad, no. It's like Mean Girls yeah. or something. Yeah. It went nowhere that story, did it? But then it means that she has to go out and get a flat yeah. and. So that's why it's there. But then it starts very steadily and, well, no, no, not even steadily, suddenly to become mm. a proper horror film, which I found absolutely petrifying. Mm. And I found it petrifying. And this is where I think it will resonate. And this is what Mark and I talked about since we came out very differently for men and yeah, you said girls. That. Before all of that, you've got, it doesn't go straight into horror. No. Right? You start to go back into the 60s yes. via her dreaming. Yes. And you very much pick up a really sort of, I think, quite um, alluring story of Anya Taylor-Joy, who is captivating to watch on screen. I found it really intriguing. And I liked, I liked the narrative of her being wooed by Matt Smith, Smith Anya Taylor-Joy. Uh, her wanting to be a singer in this seedy underground world of, of you know singing clubs and strip clubs and that, all that I, and, and so I thought they set the scene really well. I thought I agree with that entirely mm. except that it made me acutely uncomfortable because right. I've sort what, of been on the edge it of it. Horror. Yes yeah I've been on the edge of that. Sure. And so in a way that was speaking to me, but not in a way I wanted to be spoken to. Well, perhaps to. you were saying behind the sort of normality of the men's behaviour, yeah. what was really coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was getting, I was reminded of like the bloke in Wish You Were Here. Do you remember that, that film? Yes. You know, that sort of thing. So you've got this sense of, yeah, Matt Smith's being really charming and really nice and you're rooting for Anya Taylor-Joy. And the film then does do a complete sort of nosedive. It does nosedive down into really dark shit. And, and this is what I thought was quite weird about this film for me. Mm. I dismissed it within the first 20 minutes and then it went on a really successful rebuild of my interest. Oh, well, I'd and, agree with that. Yeah, and so I was kind of, and I was thinking, okay, this is getting more interesting as it goes along. Yeah. We've had this sort of really cranky setup, yeah. creaky setup, and now it's getting good. 
and then it became really interesting. And then I thought, I thought whenever we were in the world or, or in that netherworld of entering it, not entering mm. it, uh, the two of them interacting potentially within it, I, yeah. thought it was, I thought it got really quite complex and disturbing. Oh, I did. Yeah. I found it incredibly disturbing, not just for the male-female bias but or, or whatever I yeah. said before, but just generally. I thought yeah. it was incredibly well done. And although in the end one could say, I mean, there was a point where I turned to you and said, I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know what you can do with this. Yeah, was that a lot yeah. of sort of, of of what's pursuing whichever girl we're in the body of by now, a sort of zombie-like creatures. And he, he sticks but with they're, that they're a long time. But they're sort of collages of all the men there are. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But that, that in itself is very it's disturbing, horrendous. isn't it? Very disturbing. I it was, I, but I also thought it was executed. Because, I thought it was done incredibly yeah, well. Because essentially the Matt Smith character sort of inveigles her into a world of, of prostitution yeah. in, in return for her to kind of not even sing. She's kind of like a support dancer. Yeah. She in a script, script yeah. club. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it does become, interestingly, a very interesting film directed by a man about toxic masculinity. Yeah. And, and it's almost like the nightmarish final consequence of toxic masculinity. Yeah. With a little bit of psycho in there around the Diana Rigg character, uh, revenge thriller, yeah, uh, serial killing and all this kind of stuff in there. I mean, it's, it becomes a rich hodgepodge of Past horror films. Yeah, yeah I felt yeah, that too. Absolutely. Hitchcock and all sorts of things. And he was riffing on loads of stuff. I mean, there's definitely Dario Argento in there with yes. the reflections Rep and the knife shots. Repulsion. And I, I know you weren't surprised. I was shocked that this was an 18. I've seen far, far worse get 15 certificates. No, I, mean, I was, wasn't. There was no explicit. I mean, mood. Maybe what, what you picked up on was mood and discomfort was, yeah. was, was deep. Yeah, I think very deep. But yeah, I think for women, it will be a very, very hard watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, of course, I said earlier, Soho was a huge character and Terence Stamp is in there as this sort of modern day old weird chap wandering around. He becomes revealed to be someone quite key in the flashbacks. Yeah. So we're dealing... But it's not, not who we think he is. Not who we think he is, exactly. They, they wrong foot us there. But this isn't, this isn't about sort of uh, time travel. This is... A, it's, no. it's about flashbacks, isn't it? And I ghosts. It's the ghosts of Soho. The ghosts of Soho. And I think that's what I meant when I said at the beginning it wasn't the film I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah. I did like the sort of, it's a revenge thriller, historic revenge. You know, these men, there was a weird moment where the men were like saying, please let us go, please let us go, because they were sort of held in sort of this limbo torture, weren't they? The ghosts of all the men. Uh, he And he used that, well, I mean, I said to you afterwards, I said, I was getting, you could tell at certain times it was by the director of Shaun of the Dead, I kept expecting yeah. Simon Pegg to be in amongst the Very much so, as it went on. I suppose, again, having li lived, having worked and had an incredibly uh, wayward life in so, I suppose I've always been waiting for this film to be made, and I was always hoping it would be more Lynchian and granular and grittier and actually more dangerously putrefying yeah. in its kind of depiction of what is and used to be a really dark and twisted place. It and did. still can be. It did, yeah. And you said to me, I, I wouldn't have thought it, this was possible, but you said that pub that they use the is central. Is it the still there? Yeah, yeah, it's still there. I've drunk, it's right next to the Nelly Dean. It's just off uh, Soho Square. And the other thing I really liked about this one, this is a boring technical detail, is every time he cut to a different shot of someone as they're walking out of places, it was the right geographical setup. Oh. <laughs> because most directors will have someone coming out of one building and shoot the exterior in yeah, another part of London. Yeah. It all geographically made sense. And I was, you know, that really, I, I could, I knew every single road, corner, pub, street setup. I mean, I, it, I know it so intimately that that in a weird way was a sort of strangely comforting part of it. And oh. yeah, what did you think of Matt Smith? Yeah, I liked him a lot. I thought he, I thought I he, he was given enough to do. I think they could have no. really allowed him to woo 
and allow us to question his intentions more. He quite quickly became... And again, I don't know whether it's the quality of the acting, because the girls, especially Anya Taylor-Joy, does not give them a lot to do acting-wise. She no. has to look. No, Hers is all in the looking. look. Yeah, it is a lot of So, and she was fine at that. She's great. As Mark said, you can't take your eyes off her face. But he was given a bit to do, and he seemed fine. I mean, a big problem with this was the acting of the subsidiary characters. I mean, the... Stan was ghastly. Well, he's, all, he's always been yeah, ghastly. But also, the, the, pub, the pub bit where... Oh. The woman who's behind the bar, yeah. she's taking she's a job. So the story that she says, and it's all the story of Soho, it was dreadful. Mm. It was dreadfully written, de dreadfully delivered, mm. and all the sort of subsidiary characters who have to... It know. was at its best when it wasn't worried about script, but it was it was exploring the collision of now and then in this horrific depiction of femininity in the grip of masculinity. Yeah. That was it at its best. I, I absolutely And the horror agree. of that worked was at its best for about fifteen to twenty minutes. Yeah. At which point it became a little bit laboured and he was kind of he was he was squeezing the same orange for a bit more juice. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. That's very well put. Okay, well let's do, do a quick sum of Chargo first, shall I? Yeah. As I say, I think I, I think there is a really rich film. This is one of those I can't remember what the other one was we saw recently where I got really frustrated watching it thinking oh Soho's been done and Soho deserves something better I wanted to like this so much and I was really excited by saying this I like the trailers there's many bits of it I did like but in terms of the sum of its parts there were also many bits I hated um, and so it makes it really problematic for me to give it a meaningful score and I think I have to kind of go almost where I think a lot of the reviewers are going I think on Rotten Tomatoes it's around 68 or 70 I'm going to give it 70 because I think you know in some of those scenes with Anya Taylor-Joy and Thomasine McKenzie it, it was quite sort of shocking and frightening especially when she was breaking through glass and coming into her time mm. and into her space and all that kind of stuff and I think I think as a piece about toxic masculinity interesting that a male director's made it in a sense. yeah yeah uh, but yeah I'd, I'd give it female 70. script writer along with him yeah I'd give it I'd give it 70. Most of it I thought was dreadful in terms of the actual acting but then I thought the actual horror bit, especially as I'm repeating myself now, but when it first comes upon you, yeah. I thought it was petrifying. It petrified me. It sent yeah. me back in my seat, going back to the days of Halloween. Right, okay. and I, oh, my God. And also maybe it took you back to the 60s. Which was uh, like yeah, and also I found the whole Soho thing very disturbing. So it was a disturbing watch for me, yeah. generally. Yeah. So putting those two thoughts together, I would give it 40. Wow, that is yeah, low. Yeah, it is low. low. It is low. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not a huge Edgar Wright fan. I would never was okay. of the earlier ones. Yeah. And I think it became so. I mean, yes, you get this vomph of I've never. And I, this is me in my head saying, "Well, I love horror films. I've never seen that type of horror." But it went on and on and on. And as who was it said? Oh, Jaws or Hitchcock or somebody said, "If you keep the monster going and going and going, mm. it's gone." Yeah. Eventually, you sort of think, "Oh, how long is this going to go?" Wow. On for? So you're much. I'm much more generous than you, and I think I. Coming out, I felt like I didn't like it as much as you did. From a filmmaker's point of view, there was far more to like, I think, than mm. there was from... Mm. I mean, I felt... I, I... Well, from a filmmaker's point of view, there was a, a hell of a lot to dislike as much oh, as okay. like. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say that 30% of the film I found ghastly, uh, whereas... 70% of the film was, was, you know, was the interesting stuff around Soho. Yeah. And in, and in the horror, in the horror. Oh, absolutely in the horror. It made me wonder, risible is a very good word, whether he got so, and again, I sort of, that's to go back to the thing that I said at the beginning of, he had too many ideas. Yeah. Was that he sort of, he felt that he went with the, he should have gone with the horror more than the totally bits agree. of setting it he up. He didn't need to set it up so much. No. It could have just been more impressionistic. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There you go. What do you think, guys? Have you seen it? Go and see it. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.